Welcome to Momentum Church. It's Thanksgiving week. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah, what a friend. Somebody say, what a friend. Hallelujah, what a king forever. If you want to thank him in here, don't thank pastor. I want a, a praise worthy of a king. Amen. Let's give him a praise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Lord. As we get ready to go into this Thanksgiving week, I just want us to be able to prepare our hearts to be full in the area of thanksgiving to Jesus. And so we're going to jump into this right away. Open your Bibles to Luke, Luke chapter 17. And let's stand to our feet. We're going to read the word of God today, starting out just to honor the Lord. I love for us to stand um, for the honoring of God's word. And we're going to be looking at a today where Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He's in between two regions, the region of Galilee and the region of the Samaritans, Samaria. Samaria was an area where a good Jew would not walk into, okay? It was a people that, if you will, the religious at the time would look down upon, all right? And so Jesus is coming along, and he comes upon 10 lepers, these are people full of leprosy, and he has this encounter with these lepers, and man, it changes everything for these lives, just like our encounter with Jesus changes everything for us. Amen? Amen. And so let's look at what the word says. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Let's pray, all right? Jesus, I ask that today you would fill our hearts with thanksgiving, that today you would fill our hearts with the praise to you, that today we'd be able to reflect back at what you've done in our lives, and because of that reflection, Lord, we'd be full of honor and adoration and thanksgiving to you, our healer. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have your seat. And so the subject that we're looking at is that of leprosy. Nothing is greater to talk about than skin disease on Thanksgiving week. Amen. No, it's kind of a weird thing, but leprosy still exists today. Thank God there's a lot of cure for it nowadays. But let me give you what it is. It's an infection caused by slow-growing bacteria called Mycobacterium leprae. I memorized that. Microbacteria leprae. And so this disease, this infection, it's slow growing, it gets into the skin, and it affects the nerves, the skin, the eyes, and the lining of the nose. If left untreated, the nerve damage can result in crippling of hands, crippling of feet, it can result in paralysis and even blindness. Literally, the person's flesh becomes numb and their senses dulled. Let me say that one more time. I don't want us to miss that because obviously there's a spiritual implication to leprosy. The flesh becomes numb and the senses dull. The flesh becomes numb and the senses dull. And so this condition of the leper, what ends up happening with this dulled flesh and this numb senses, it, it leads to death and decay of that flesh. And the people literally begin to lose parts of themselves. 
Like, like toe digits and finger digits and portions of face and nose. And I mean, this thing is literally eating away at their existence. And what would happen with leprosy, man, you were mandated to live outside of everyone else's normal life. You were mandated. You couldn't work. You'd have to basically go and work in the, the garbage dumps of your communities, just kind of eking out a, a, an existence if you could. You weren't allowed to readily work a job. You, you were not allowed to be around others. It, it literally were put out of the camp is how it's worded. Put out of the camp. In other words, put out of community. So it's not enough that you're already sick. You're already hurting. The body that you have is starting to be taken from you little bit by little bit every day. You also, from a community standpoint, you're disdained. You're looked down upon. From a community standpoint, you are an outcast. And so that's what we see here. We see Jesus coming along. And these 10 lepers, imagine with me the stumbling shuffle of of toeless feet. As these lepers are walking toward Jesus. Imagine with me the wandering of sightless eyes and the moan of a cheekless mouth. All pointing to this unseen attacker within these people's body. As this unseen virus or this infection is destroying their bodies. Making them literally the untouchables of society. And that's where we find this this story. And we see Jesus, he meets them. And watch what it says. Jesus met these 10 lepers, lepers who stood at a distance. Why? They were mandated to stand at a distance. Jesus was a good rabbi. Don't you dare get near the, the, that, that, that holy man. You better stand at a distance, especially from good people. But man, this is, this is a teacher. This is a rabbi. You best stand at a distance. And let me just tell you right now, religion will always keep you at a distance. There's some folk in the room today that at times in your life, you thought, could I come near Jesus with all the stuff I've been through? Could I come near Jesus with all the things maybe I'm even doing right now and going through right now? And and religion would keep you from Jesus, allowing the leprosy spiritually to devour and to take you. Religion could care less about you, but Jesus came. Amen? Jesus came near. They came close to Jesus. They stood at a distance, but Jesus is there. These people's whole life and identity was wrapped up in this this disease, all right? And and, and when I say that, literally, it wasn't enough that they were sick. Do you realize that part of the process of the leper, they would have to wear torn clothes? Like like not clothes that become raggedy because they're poor, but literally, they would have to wear torn clothes clothes as a symbol that they're unclean. So they're wearing torn clothes. They would have to let their hair grow out long and keep it unkempt, all right, as a symbol. So basically like a 1994 grunge rocker, you know. So (laughs) that was like the look they had to have. They wanted people to know without a doubt right then, these people don't belong. These people are outsiders. These people are outcasts. These people are unclean. Clean and wherever they went, they had a label that everywhere they went, they had to wear a mask. Not quite, but have you felt that way before? I've I've walked into places where I have my mask in my pocket, and I always want to be respectful if I'm around people with masks, I put mask on, but I have my pocket and I walk in not thinking, and it's like, oh, and then I look, I get looked at like, you know, you're awful, and I'm, I'm putting it on, hold on, I'm getting it on, you know. Well, these people literally they had to go through life, you ready for this? Going. They had to cover their mouth. Actually, the word says their upper lip. 
So they had to cover their mouth, and they had to go through life going, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine an existence like that? Where you're hurting, your body is losing parts. You're, you're an outcast, and, and man, insult to injury. Now you have to go everywhere you go. Unclean, unclean. You have to declare that you're unclean wherever you go. Now, we understand that leprosy in Scripture is a symbol for sin, number one. Also, it's a symbol for things in life that we are undone in, okay? So it's not just sin. Because how many of y'all know there is things that we do that are sin, all right? But how many know there are things that people do against us that are sin? And there were some things to some of y'all that was done against you, that has shaped you, it has marked you, it has identified you, pain and abuse, whatever it might be. So it may not be your own sin that has affected you. It may be the sin of somebody else against you. But, but you go through life, and at times it feels like you're unclean, unclean. But can you imagine having to declare that? That's where these people were at when Jesus met them. Can you imagine having to go through life going, I'm an addict! I'm an addict. I can't enjoy an evening with my friends unless I have enough to get me a little bit tipsy. I'm an addict. I'm an addict. I can't have confidence unless I have a little bit more weed. I'm an addict. I'm an addict. Can you imagine having to go through life with whatever that struggle is that you have? Having to, I'm an, that's heavy, isn't it? And people backing away from you as you shout, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm an adulterer. And I say that because I know there's adulterers in this room. And your heart goes, how does pastor know? I don't. The Holy Spirit knows. And it hurts. But guess what? Can I tell you right now, Mr. or Mrs. Adulterer or adulteress, Jesus ain't afraid. He's not backing up from you. This is a day of freedom for you. I'm addicted to porn. I watch porn. Can you imagine? Whatever that is undone, having to declare that wherever you go. I think I'm better than everyone else. I think I'm better than anyone else. And you may say, you know what? I probably shouldn't say it. It don't matter. We all know it already. Right? You don't have to say that one. We know. So it could be pride. I don't know what it is, but that whole idea of having to go through life declaring, I was damaged as a child, and I still carry those wounds. That's what was going on here. I, mean, I know it's a physical representation of that. But these are people at the worst moment of their life, in pain, losing themselves. Their whole identity is wrapped up in that. I spend more money than I earn, but it's all right. I have another credit card. Ease away at you. It does. It does. So I don't know what that is that we go through in life. But Jesus intersects us in that moment. He intersects that life, and, and he comes to make us free. He comes to heal us of those things. And we can see in this story, they cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. I love that. 
And that wasn't just Jesus have mercy. They said, Jesus. They said, Master, have mercy on us. Can I tell you right now, a real key to you getting your victory is to stop having him as the Savior and make him the master of your life. Amen? I'm not going to get into that long, but I'm telling you right now, when he becomes master, whatever you say, sir, I will do. You say go, I will follow. You say start, I'll start. You say stop, I'll stop. Man, when we start to say master, a lot of that healing issues that we need in our life, God starts taking care of those. Luke 17, verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Do you see that? As they went, they were cleansed. I love that. Sometimes we wait to walk into the next thing God has for us because we discount us. We don't feel like we're good enough. We don't feel like this, the sins in our life are taken care of enough. I was talking to a guy today in the bathroom who got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? Now, not in the bathroom. That would have been a weird morning, <laughs> you know? But we were in the restroom this morning, and he said, Pastor, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit on Thursday. Oh, my gosh. And I love it because this guy's not all the way there yet. But on his journey, on his way, he's looking at Jesus, and he's starting to call him master. He's starting to serve him at a level that he hadn't served him at ever in his life. And God has seen that. And God is starting to give that young man a miracle in his life. Amen? Amen. Listen, it says here, and as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, you know, some folk are waiting on their miracle, but some miracles manifest while you're on your way. I don't feel like praising God in the middle of my situation, but I'm going to lift my hands before him, and I'm going to praise him on my way. Amen? I'm not there yet in my marriage, but I'm going to be thankful for my marriage, and I'm going to praise him on my way. But the enemy loves for us just to feel like the leper. Just to discount ourselves, to stay far, not to draw near, to be those that, that don't realize, no, God is doing a work in us. Amen. Goes on in Luke 17, verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And praising God with a loud voice, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. So it's the first time in the story where it divides this, right? So we see Jesus walking between Galilee and Samaria, but it wasn't just enough that Jesus walks between the things of this world and the things of heaven, and he's always looking for people to connect to God. It's not just that. Literally in the moment, this was not just a man who was an outcast physically. He was a man who was an outcast spiritually, looked down upon. And so it's very clear. I believe this man, oh my gosh, like none of the other nine, this man, or the other 10, he was that 10th. That I believe like for him, it's not just his hands are restored. It's not just that he's having this miracle take place in his life. He felt the acceptance of Rabbi Jesus. And this Samaritan, man, he just, he needed a little bit more of that. He wanted to come close and thank Jesus himself. And so he wasn't just physically an outcast. He was spiritually an outcast. Verse 17, Jesus says, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Weren't there 10 of y'all? But you're the only one that's come back. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Or to return, that means an act of coming or going back to a place. 
to come or go back to an activity, to return. Was nobody else found except for this foreigner, this one that was once far from being the person of God, and now they've come back? And I just believe I'm looking at a room full of foreigners, people who at one time were far from the person of Jesus, but because of the work of the cross, because blood was shed, healing can take place not just for your soul but for your body. Amen? I'm looking at a room full of people that, yeah, you once were lost, but now you're found. You once was blind, but now you see. Amen? Man, if you felt that, you'd be a little bit more excited up in here. (laughs) I love it. So these nine didn't come back. But that one, I believe, man, that Samaritan, he had just, he had lost so much. And in that moment, he gained so much. How could he not come back? In that moment, how could he not be a returner? How could he not be the one that would return and bring thanksgiving to God? And so I got to thinking about this, and I told my wife, I said, I have, believe it or not, baby, I have an 11-point sermon. Everybody, jaws drop, ready? Are you ready for an 11-point sermon? I'm going to look at real quick the nine other guys. And I don't know at times in our life if there's things that keep us from being a returner to come back with our thanksgiving. But let's just see some of these other fellas, all right? So how about this? Maybe one was just too busy to return. Just, just too busy. I'm just so busy to be able to connect with the things of God. I'm just too busy. And, and I got to thinking about that from our day and age. Obviously, I'm so thankful that we have a lot of the church here. I'm thankful we have a lot of the church at home. And if you're watching from home, I appreciate you. You are not experiencing this worship service in a second level. You are experiencing this in community together. We are one church. Amen? Amen. But it blows my mind how often I'll run into church family, folk, that will say, hey, and they'll wonder what's going on around the church. And I'm like, we're still the church. We ain't stopped being this church. We're still worshiping. We're still serving. We're still doing a whole lot of stuff. And so with that, it blows my mind because I can tell just too busy to jump online and to even watch one of the services, to hear what's going on in the community, to be able to flow in the discipleship. How many know this has been a year of discipleship and development? I told you that from the start. Has it not been? Yes, it has. We didn't expect it to be a year of discipleship and development the way it transpired, but it sure has. But that's for the house, those that have us been connecting with what the Lord's doing here together. And so sometimes people are just too busy, you know? And I get it. Sunday morning's a horrible time to watch service online. If you're watching, you're a saint. I say that because I have children. And when I've tried to watch our services, or when we were recording them, and I tried to watch it, I wanted to choke a child. <laughs> have one kid here and just worshiping the Lord. Just worshiping. <laughs> you can't, that's wrong. Pastor does not advocate abuse, okay? <laughs> but it's, hard. it's not easy. I get it. But man, get in a place of worship. Get in a place of hearing his word while you're driving to work or some other time in the week. Catch that other hour, hour and 15 minutes. Be around this presence. Amen? Amen? And you might say, but pastor, that's just church. I get it. But you know, most of the time when we stop doing church, it's not too long before we stop doing Jesus. And that sounds like a weird way of saying it, but it's just true. This is, this is a reminder when we're together to worship. It's a reminder when we're together to live as if he has saved us and has changed our life because he has. It's a reminder of what it looks like to walk righteously before our God and before others. It's a reminder we need to have time and not be too busy to return. Number two, maybe this person, they just want to return to their previous life. They wanted to go back to how life used to be. And I've seen that happen. That people, this was a really neat experience for a little while. 
I went into a relationship with the Lord, and that was fun. That was neat. Changed my life. But you know what? I'm going back to the way things used to be. That's maybe one of the second guys. Just I'm going back to my previous life, you know? How about the third guy? Too consumed with finances that he wanted, he couldn't return. He's just too busy with, you know, Ross, listen, I, don't be upset with me. I made my living on that junk heap for so long. And yes, when I was broke, busted, and disgusted, I went to Jesus. And yes, he changed my life. But you know what? I'm not on that junk heap no more. You know what? I got time now. I got a good job. I got a good, I got, I got my, my mind on my money and my money on my, you know. Right? And so basically, I'm just, my mind's on the finances now. It's like, yes, it was good when I needed him, and he came, and he did his thing. And, and so that leads me to point four. I got what I needed. I don't need Jesus anymore. I can be that way, too. I don't want you to, these fingers are pointing back at me, y'all. I can go through life not mindful about how good God has been in my life. I can remember at times in ministry, a family bankrupt, had nothing, weren't following Jesus, backslidden. And in that bankruptcy, the church and their believers start to love and start to reach out. They, they, they don't disdain. It's not like I look down on you. No, no, no. We're not creating separation. We're running to you. And next thing you know, they find mercy and they find grace in that moment. And God begins to restore them. And their finances are restored. And now they're back on their feet. And then the next thing you know, they're not in church anymore. They're not serving the Lord anymore. They're back into the same stuff that they were back in for years. Why? I just don't need Jesus anymore. He fixed my stuff. Look how great life is. And they just went on. Look, I'm cleansed. I'm cleansed. I, I am, I'm good. I look good. I'm cleansed. Man, this one guy wasn't happy. He wasn't satisfied just being cleansed. He came back. He returned with thanksgiving. I love this one. One of them maybe just didn't feel like they wanted to hang around the Samaritan anymore, you know? Yeah, when I was in my, my broke state, all right, it was good to hang out with that Samaritan. I mean, we were both in that same stuff together. But now that I'm well, okay, I don't want to be around. I don't want to be identified with that group of people. I'm well now, but I don't want people to think I'm a church guy, like one of them Jesus holy roller people. I mean, in any ways, that whole church is full of hypocrites, right? And so, yeah, so at one time, it's like, man, I need this Jesus. Then it's like, I don't want to be around Jesus' people because it's just all hypocrites. Can I just say this? If that's your thought, momentum is a great place for you. You know why? Because we could always use one more hypocrite. <laughs> man, there's room for you, honey. There's room can I ask you, does everybody, anybody in here have it all put together yet? <laughs> exactly. No, we don't. We're getting healed on the way, amen? And that's all right. And I, I had someone one time, they said, you know, Pastor Ross, do you realize Momentum Church, it's like a hospital. And you get people healthy, and then once they're healthy, they go on to bigger churches. And, and this person, I love what they said, and I didn't punch them. <laughs> I didn't. They said they go to bigger churches and better churches. I didn't punch them. I wanted to like, whoa, you know, but I didn't. 
But this is what they said. They go to bigger churches and better churches. And, and the person was saying it like it was something disdainful, like it was something wrong with us. And all I could think of was, you know what? If God wants us to be triage for Woodstock and for Cherokee County, by God, we'll be triage. Come in with your broke self, and we'll love you and point you to Jesus. And when he heals you, take that fire someplace else. Or stay. I'd like you to stay. <laughs> but if you do go, it's all right. Amen? Or stay. Or stay. And if you do stay, tithe. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word that's funny right there <laughs> six i just don't want to put any effort to return it takes work it doesn't take work for him to heal us you're right it doesn't we are saved by grace but man we grow by work we grow by effort we grow by by putting something forth amen and our thanksgiving to him ought to look like a dedication to walk after him, to grow, to follow. That, 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 that you're putting in the effort when he puts his finger on something. You listen, yeah, Lord, I'll do that because you're master. Amen? That's a thanksgiving back unto him. I love this one. How about this one? Number seven. One had a woman, and he was ready to get back to her. <laughs> Pastor, that's not in the scripture. No, but it's in this room. <laughs> may not be a woman, it might be a man. I don't know. A relationship that holds your praise. A relationship that holds your thanksgiving. A relationship you know the Lord has put his finger on, has spoken to you about some things that you should be doing differently. But man, it's hard because it's like, you know what? I just, I'm enjoying my life right now. This is what I prayed for. This is what I was hoping for. I know, I know. You feel cleansed. But listen, I'm going to give you a little cat out of the bag kind of thing. You feel cleansed, but you're not whole yet. Okay, I'm going to get to that. Let me just put a place mark in there, okay? You feel cleansed, but you're just not whole yet, all right? God wants you cleansed and everybody shout whole. whole. Number eight, one felt like the Samaritan can go and thank Jesus for the both of them. <laughs> you go thank him, I, you know. And, and listen, everybody in here worships and praises God differently, all right? I'm not saying you have to be Allie, you know, just, just. Was that a pretty good Allie? She's, she's a lot cuter than that. I'm sorry. We're all going to worship differently, you know? We all are. But we know when we're responding or when we're not to him. Now, it doesn't mean I'm only physically responding, but I'm not going to let somebody else thank him more than I'm going to thank him for myself. I'm not going to look at somebody else and say, all right, you worship up. That's the worship team, and that's their job. No, that's not their job. When we're in the house of the Lord, they lead the people in the work of worship. Do you know even the word liturgy? Have you heard of liturgy, that term? We're, we're not a very liturgious church, but still, the word liturgy literally means the work of the people. Well, worship isn't work. Yes, it is. You got to put some effort and come back and be a returner. And there's a little bit of the work of the people when it comes to worship. And there's a little bit of work in our life when it comes to being thankful, when it comes to worshiping God throughout our life. We've got to be mindful and remind ourselves. It's just, it doesn't always come natural to be thankful. Amen? Finally, verse 9. One of them, I believe, just forgot how far God had brought him from. Maybe just been saved too long, you know? I can remember feeling so undone, 18 years old, and I'm playing the hypocrite, playing my bass at church, you know, and I'm so proud of Auburn playing bass. I love that. 
because that's the instrument I play. She plays better than Papa already. But, but I was going to say I have better hair, but I don't because you've got dreadlocks. It's so, she's so cool. She's just so cool. But playing bass at church and my church aunt. Remember church aunts? Anybody have a church aunt? They get up in your business, you know what I'm saying? And so my church aunt, she came to me and she said, Ross Allen, you are not the same Ross Allen you've always been. Yeah, I am, Aunt Barb. You're not the same Ross Allen. And you're going to run trying to find who you're not, and you're going to spend the rest of your life chasing what you once were. It was heavy. And I'll tell you what she was saying. I was a worshiper. I was somebody that loved to be in the presence of the Lord. I was somebody that was quick to thank Jesus as a teenager. Quick, you know. In a sense, in some ways, I was the leper. I was the, the, the outcast in some ways. And God had, I always joked that, man, my sophomore year, I went from geek to chic overnight. I did. I was like the outcast. The next thing you know, varsity soccer guy, varsity wrestling, dated the varsity cabinet cheerleaders. Yeah, come on. Geek to chic, baby. But within two years of that, I started to forget how it felt to be that broken guy. That broken guy that through junior high and early high school, man, the only thing that kept me going was Jesus. You know? And so now I'm graduated high school and I'm just doing everything that you do. And you're out of school and partying and stuff and just growing dead in my heart. And that day she said that. And she was right. I was running from what I wasn't. Because who I was, I was created to be a, a worshiper. I was created to be somebody that praises the Lord, that that connects with the presence and power of God. I'd seen too much to run too far. And that day when she said that, I realized, yeah, who else would I run to? Who else would I return to? He's the one that healed me, that set me free. Of course I'll return back to him and bring thanksgiving. And it changed my life. Friend after friend after friend during that season fell from God. Friend after friend stayed away from God for years. I'm so thankful. And it's easy for me to forget what it was like at 18 years old, giving my life to Jesus and returning my heart to the Lord, if you will. And so often we do, we forget it, and it affects our praise and it affects our thanksgiving. Only one out of the ten lepers return. What I want to challenge you and myself, I want to be the one that returns. Amen? Say, be the one. To return, as I said, is an act of coming or going back to a place or activity. I want to be the one that returns. And so I want to give you two things, and we'll close. Number one, to live a life of thanksgiving, we need to practice going back to the place in our life where we first encountered Jesus. It's a mindfulness exercise to take time and to be reflective of those days when, man, without him, where would it have been? And the longer we're saved, we start to forget that. Amen? Amen. How many has been saved longer than 30 years in here? Raise your hand. All right. 20 years. Longer than 10. Yeah. Longer than 5. How many want to get saved today? Yeah, come to Jesus today. Man, those early days, it's exciting, you know? And it's hard to believe you could ever forget that, what he brings you out of. But we do. We Just like any relationship. And so we need to realize and remember and recall when we first encounter Jesus. That's the first thing if we want to have thankful hearts, if we want to be the one that returns. The second thing, to live a life of thanksgiving, we need to practice going back to the place in our life where we encountered the blessing of the Lord. And what do you mean the blessing? It could be anything. Whatever the Lord blessed you with. In 1994, July 9th, I stood at an altar, and this beautiful woman named Amy Maureen Deems became Amy Wiseman. 
About six months before that, she said, is there anything about me that you would change? And I said, your last name. (laughs) (laughs) Truth, truth. (sighs) But I think back to that day, what a blessing. Amen? Maybe it was your job. You were without work, without a career, struggling. And next thing you know, the Lord blessed you with a job. Man, you think about that day. It's, man, God got me through it, you know. Maybe it was church. Been a long time since you felt a sense of community spiritually. And you came to a church. Maybe it was momentum. And you came to church, and it was like, oh, this is so good. But I want to tell you right now, if we stop to think about those things, right, if we fail to live thankful lives, over time, the little things in our life will start to eat away at us. Think about the leprosy. Remember the leper's condition? The leper's condition, their flesh becomes numb and their senses dulled, and that leads to decaying dead flesh that literally begins to be lost from the body. You start to lose little things. If Amy and I in our marriage don't think back to those places of blessing through our life, then guess what? If we're not thankful, if we're not appreciative of each other, if we're not thankful and appreciative of God bringing her as a blessing and me as a blessing to her, over time, those little things start to eat at us. How many know pastor has some idiosyncrasies? Amy's about perfect. I'm about not. And I have an and if we don't reflect back on the blessing of the Lord bringing us together, it doesn't take long before the little things start to eat away at us. The little things. She laid all the time. Little things. I won't go into my stuff. You can go ask her. What about your job, your career? You stopped being thankful for it. There was a time when you just needed some money in your pocket, you know. Now you have disdain for your boss, disdain for your workmates. You've lost thanksgiving in your heart and praise in your mouth to the Jesus that gave you that job, that opportunity. Why? Because you forget. You stop looking back at that place of blessing. Amen? You see what I'm saying? And next thing you know, all the little stuff starts to eat away at you. It's like leprosy. The church, I'll tell you right now, it doesn't matter what church you go to, okay? It is like glorious at first, and then after a while, things start to eat at you. I hate it when the preacher does this. I hate it when the person says that. I hate it when... And so then it's like, I got to go find me the perfect church. And so because this isn't the perfect church, and it never will be, you go on to find the perfect church. And guess what? When you show up at the perfect church, guess what? It stops being. Yeah. It stops being perfect because you're there. <laughs> and it would stop being perfect if I showed up there too. Amen? Amen. But it's that idea of stopping being thankful. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know why I'm throwing this out. My staff, I'm going to throw this out. I have some of the best staff in the world. Amen? I do. But you know what? If I'm not appreciative and thankful for the things they do and who they are, over time, guess what? Their little idiosyncrasies drive me crazy. I know you're all on the edge of your seat going, tell us. Just tell us about Brantley. Where are you, Bradley? No, I'm teasing. It's just true. It's, it's that way in every church. It's every, every church, every relationship. If we're not mindful, if we don't go back to when God just gave you that blessing, amen? And so I want us, as God's people, 
to become very thankful. Here's what happens when we become thankful. Powerful. This is powerful. When Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed, were the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Verse 19. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, in the Greek, the word there is the same word where we get the word, your faith has made you whole. Some translations say whole. The word whole is the same root in the Greek as salvation, okay? So you haven't just been saved a little. You've been made, everybody say, whole. Check this out. You ready for this? These other nine, they were asked to go and to go to the priest, and they were made cleansed. And if you look in both Numbers and Leviticus, it'll talk about what this process looks like. And the priest would look and examine the skin. And if there's no living pus at the time, if there's no whiteness, if there's no all these different signs, the priest could call them cleansed, okay? But they're still missing the digit. The priest can call them cleansed, but they're still missing that part of their cheek, that part of their nose, that... They're still missing stuff. But when this man came back with a heart of thanksgiving, he says, your faith has made you whole. In other words, this guy got his stuff back. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Give God some praise. Amen. And so thanksgiving is our way into the place of God's best for us, not just to be cleansed, but to be made whole. Scripture tells us we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, we enter into his courts with praise. And so literally, it's our thanksgiving that brings us into a place of his presence that we can become whole. Don't you want that? If you want that, then be the one. Amen? Everybody say that. I'll be the one. Yeah, yeah. Be. Say it one more time. I'll be the one. Yeah, yeah. Always be the one quick to praise God. Amen? Be the one. Always be the one. In a room full of negativity, be the one with thanks on your lips. Shout, be the one. Yeah. In a world full of death and decay, be the one declaring life and hope. Shout, be the one. Yeah, be the one. There's always a choice. I want to be a one percenter. Not, not, not like the motorcycle gangs. Actually, I do. <laughs> if you'll have me, no. Um, do you need a chaplain? Motorcycle gangs, do they need a chaplain? I would, no. Be the one percenter, you know? Be fierce. Be the one. Be a, a returner. Be the one. Let me say this last one for you. At a Thanksgiving table full of family fussing, be the one with a thankful heart and praises on your lips for each person present and for the God that made all that possible. Amen? Every shout, be the, one. be the one. Jesus, we want to be people of you that are thankful for what you've done in our lives and not forget that. Be people of you who will be the one that will always return to you, remembering what you brought us from, remembering our salvation and the various blessings that you've brought into our life. Lord God, we will not let somebody out praise us. We will not let somebody have that thanksgiving for us, but we possess our thanksgiving. We possess our praise, and we bring it to you, for you are the only one worthy of it in the first place. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.